podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a beautiful break that was from Derby County. And one chop cheek in Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Hello and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast. We are more than one third of the way through this most testing of Rams seasons and we're facing an increasingly difficult battle to cling on to our championship place. After we all celebrated bonfire night recently, Derby's last three results certainly produced few sparklers and we have annoyingly seen two promising leads fizzle out. So where does this month's results leave our admittedly very small survival chances? Uh, joining me, Chris Parsons, to attempt a positive November spin are SBW regulars Richard Kutcher, you right? Hello, boy. Yeah. And Tom Martin, thanks for providing your hospitality and a lovely dinner, I must say. Absolutely my pleasure and good to see you both. I just had my first beer earlier since Millwall. Um, How'd it go down? Went down pretty, went down pretty well, yeah. It's <laughs> quite a nice beer, isn't it? Um, <laughs> as we discovered on uh, on the weekend, two away games in a month for you boys, just like the old days, eh? Yeah, it was good to be back on the road with uh, Derby Tom. Hit uh, one of our old uh, one of our old haunts from many many years ago in terms of Coventry away, which was uh, well, as I think people heard when we recorded the pod, it was um, beer filled as well. So it was good to go on the road and uh, Millwall, which is our, our most local away day, or certainly for you boys in South East London, most local away day. Great day out on Saturday and and uh, two decent performances overall in those two matches. And saw a goal, didn't lose. I'm undefeated team Derby this season in four, which is saying something for me. So yeah. more, more importantly though, tell us how cheap you got a pint for in Coventry. One pound of Wow. Wow. And wow, wow. It, it was bad. Wow, wow <laughs> is the name of the beer. I did ask if I could use uh, Tom's 50p off pint Weatherspoon voucher <laughs> on the wow. And they said a no. A deal's a deal, right? It's they said trying. no, it's already a pound. Uh, and Guess so I, I paid it. And I, you know what? It was probably worth 50p that pint. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty awful beer. The mil- then, then meanwhile, at Millwall, on Saturday, we went to hit up a couple of hipster breweries down Bermondsey Way and pay £6 a pint. So, but overall, over two away days... It's averaged out £3 a pint, which I feel is the correct amount you should pay for a pint. £3.50 a pint. <laughs> Chris is still living in 2006, I think. Just <laughs> so want to be a student again. Uh, well, booze, you know the drill. We love a cheeky drink, and uh, as do our podcast partners at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. So uh, make sure you give them a follow on socials and check them out. But, Tom, three points thrown away in successive away games two leads thrown away is what I mean in successive away games first in that body blow of a defeat at Barnsley in the week and then at the Den last weekend Um, it's being reported in the past day or two that as well there is the possibility that Derby's further nine point deduction may be reduced to just three leaving us with a, a, a minuscule minus 15 in total and as it stands right now, that would put us 12 points from safety. I mean, you can dress it up how you like, but there's there's no coming back from that, is there? I don't think. 
No, I don't think so. Um, I think it's it's going to be really challenging unless we start picking up wins. And the boys are playing as well as they possibly can, I think, and they're doing everything right apart from picking up three points. And that, unless we start to, to do that against Bournemouth and Fulham at the end of this month, and then we continue that through December and into January, um, we're going to really struggle to stay up realistically. I just hope they keep playing for the shirt and giving yeah. us some good good days home and away uh, over the rest of the season because we knew it was going to be a struggle um, and they've been... The team have been fantastic so far. Yes, we can pick odd bits here and there where we could be better, but that's part of football, isn't it? And I think um, I think we've just got to accept that, yes, it, it is very likely we're going to get relegated. I, I feel that like three, three things need to happen right now for us to stay up, and they're all quite unlikely. I think, well, firstly, we just need to improve our current form because yes you know i think when we need we how need, do you do that <laughs> we need we need to hit playoff form just to give yes, ourselves a chance exactly. and we're barely hitting survival form right now seven games without a win i think i read that we need to average 1.66 points per game which we're nowhere near i think secondly we need we talked about Belik so often but we need Belik to return and probably be as good as we all hope if not better and thirdly we need to have this embargo lifted and and get more players in and i think unless all three of those things happen we haven't got a prayer, really, have we? Well, yeah, and um, I think it was Ollie at Derby County blog that uh, shared that kind of analysis about, you know, it needs to be playoff form. If it is minus 15 in total, as in the 12 we already had, plus number three, it does need to be playoff playoff form from here on in uh, to survive. And then, obviously, you mentioned Bielik there. He's part of that that needed form uplift. You know, if Bielik can come in and have the impact he had last season, that probably takes you halfway towards that playoff form. And then, as you said, it's can we strengthen in January obviously that's a huge can that's a huge if um, it needs we need to have a takeover completed we need to have satisfied all the, all the EFL requirements regarding settling creditors to have any chance of spending any kind of money in January I find that part almost the least unlikely I think you know Bielik coming back could have a serious impact but we need a goal scorer we need more depth at centre back you know the midfield I think is well stocked with Jason Knight back we'll come on to him and, and be later on but um, it, it's the it's the it's the quality in the final third and what's behind Jagielka and Davis which which worries me because those two as as we saw again against on Saturday against Millwall absolute warriors I thought Curtis Davis was arguably um, our man in the match uh, Jagielka has just looked great again uh, but it's just putting the ball in the back of the net I thought Sam Baldock had a really good game against Millwall, much more lively, looked much sharper, had a really good chance second half where he actually created a chance himself, cut inside, got a shot off. Lawrence did something similar, thought he had a decent game um, on Saturday as well, generally. Um, but yeah, we need that quality because Millwall were there for the taking. That's a team who at right now sit in the table, ninth in the table, and they were there for the taking. And even when we're down to 10 men, I thought we looked good in the break. That's it, Tom. The main point to take away from Millwall is you have to salute the character that we showed for holding out for half an hour a man down but for you I don't know if you caught if you watched the Barnsley debacle from start to finish but that obviously had to be a reaction was the performance at Millwall like a a, a suitable reaction from our worst result of the season yeah no I didn't watch the Barnsley game from start to finish because uh, myself and my brother were watching a Sheffield punk uh, indie pop Legends uh, Milburn at the Scala on Wednesday night, so we uh, decided <laughs> to avoid the football. Of course, you were. Um, of course. Um, so I didn't see it, and I've seen the highlights back, and it's just frustrating seeing the collapse in the performance, having led 
not maybe deserving to lead, but having led and having something to hold on to and then, then losing the game uh, to two sloppy goals. I thought the response in the context of just the Millwall game is a, is a good response and I thought that the boys played well on, on Saturday. In the context of the season, it's just not good enough because we, we need to be winning a game like that. Uh, Millwall, as you said, were there for the taking and there's been so many teams and fixtures over the last few weeks where you've gone, right, we've got a real opportunity, Barnsley, Luton, even to some extent Blackburn. Um, Fulham showed how poor they potentially are uh, by putting seven past them the game after they beat us so it lots of lots of ifs and buts and almost and we're not we're not quite there uh, in terms of the quality and I agree with you I thought Bulldog played well um, but he just lacks that quality I think Chris you said uh, he, Bulldog had a shot from about 20 yards and you turned to me and was like he's never going to score that is he like what's he bothering shooting for uh, from there and yeah unfortunately just lack a bit of quality up front I think Tommy touched on it there, like some of the games we've had in, you know, we talk, we were just talking earlier, Chris, about how the first half of the season is always kind of punctuated with international breaks. And I think the last set of fixtures between the last international break and before this one, there are huge opportunities to pick up points. Blackburn at home, you know, Coventry away was a good point in the end, but, you know, Luton at home, Preston away, even Swansea at home, and then Barnsley away and Millwall away. We... (laughs) If we're going to get out of the situation and hit that kind of playoff form we need, we need us to pick up three, maybe four wins from those games. Yeah, I totally agree. And it goes back actually even further than that, Cutch. If you go back to August, we've thrown away 12 points from winning positions this season from the very first day against Huddersfield up until the game against Millwall. If we're going to stay up, we can't throw away 12 points because if we'd have held on to those leads, and obviously you don't always hold on to them, but if we'd have held on to half of those points, we're we're suddenly so much closer. Just to emphasise that point further, next three matches, Bournemouth, Fulham, QPR. I mean, yeah. you're not expecting to get any points in those first two matches and, and QPR have been good this season. Well, they're in the top six, yeah. Um, well, you, you talked about dropping points from winning positions there, Tom. Like, it's, it's I sort of ask yourself this so often, but how much is luck involved there? Because, you know, like Blackburn at home, chasing the game, CKR hits the post in injury time, uh, Barnsley away, throwing the kitchen sink in there, Jagielka hits the bar in injury time. Just feel like on another day, maybe, but, you know, look, you could also say that we weren't good enough to get those shots on target in the first place. So, I don't know. I mean, Wayne Rooney said after um, after Millwall, he reckoned, he said, talking about over 90 minutes, we've probably done enough to win the game, which I wasn't sure about myself. I'm sort of watching it back and having been there, it felt like, a handful of decent chances for either side, but Millwall probably had the better of them. I mean, I'd say they had the best chance of the uh, of the second half to win it. Yeah, George and the ball was pulled across, and Savile yeah. was in acres of space, about ten yards out. I was just waiting for the net to ball. Which I was just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck. Yeah. Here, here, here it yeah. comes, and he he puts it agonisingly wide, and you know from the noise the crowd make, just how big a chance that was that Millwall fluffed. So I'm not sure I bought it from Rooney there that we didn't have to win the game. No, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because when you when you look at when you look at games, you always naturally look at it. Whether you're a fan, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, you're always naturally looking at it from your own perspective. So your chances tend to stick out more, and and you kind of when one of their players misses a good chance, or your keeper makes a good save, you kind of count it in your own column. Whereas when you miss a chance, or their keeper makes a good save, you're like, oh, that should have been a goal for us. So it, I, I know what you're saying there, Chris, but I think the game was there for the taking. I think fair draw was probably a fair result. I think neither team would have complained or should have complained if they had lost that match. I think we would have felt hard done by, but we did go down to 10 men. We had more possession than them. They had more shots. We had more shots on target. They had more corners. Um, 
So it was, I just thought Mill looked toothless compared to other times we've been to the Den or watching on TV in the last, during the pandemic. Mill often a big, big physical side and, and that's always been a problem for Derby. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like they out, they, they bullied us. I didn't feel like they outmuscled us. I felt it was, if lacking in quality, just a very high octane, I really enjoyed it, a really high octane championship match that with a bit of quality on either side would have gone a different way. I, I think you can't really fault Derby. They, they didn't miss any glaring, any glaring opportunities, but there was a couple of chances which in another day, Bulldog's shot or Lawrence's shot sneaks in. Yeah, I was going to say the one chance that we did miss, which was a, a guilt edge chance for me, was the one that Eberselli had in the first half. Um, it's good when, block though, to be fair. Yeah, it was a really great bit of defending. You're right, it's not Eberselli's fault in any way. Knight does brilliantly down the left-hand side, feeds it into the middle. I think it gets a deflection of Lawrence perhaps and it comes to Eberselli. It's a brilliant block. Um, but you think that, that for me, I was just waiting for the net to bulge that side. It's not as good a chance as a Savile one. Uh, and as you say, Coach, we maybe had more shots on time target but I think Millwall missed quite a few flick headers which I thought they could have done a lot better with I think a phobie looked like he was 10 to 12 yards out and it was down the other end and I haven't seen it on the highlights um, but that looked like it should have been should have been buried I know Bennett had a header as well uh, a phobie had the overhead kick which was pounded away by Roos it was a fairly comfortable save so there were chances for both t- both teams and a bit like the Coventry game where Coventry absolutely destroyed us in the first half um and then the second half, we came out and were a lot better and responded well. Whether we deserved the the goal, we we scored it and we created chances. But actually, we could have gone on and nicked the win. Uh, Cousin Mitch had obviously hit in the post just beforehand. So, yes, in some ways, going back to your original question, have we not had the luck? I don't think we haven't. Uh, we haven't. I don't think we've been unlucky. I don't think we've necessarily been lucky either. Um, but it's, think, e- it's even itself out a bit. Is yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think so. And I think some of the goals we conceded have just not been good enough. If you look back at them, they're avoidable. Uh, and that's the issue that we're having, having. And it's because the limitations of the players we've got, and we've got to accept that. Well, avoidable goals um, <laughs> brings me to the latest instalment in our regular series. Should Keller Ruse have done better? <laughs> is that a jingle? That's my jingle, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting that to music next time. I mean, when when the ball comes to Scott Malone, you just like, you had so much space. You, yeah, you, 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 you knew what was coming, didn't you? Yeah, well, let's start there. I mean, Nathan Byrne had a bad day. Nathan Byrne gets completely sucked in. Doesn't need to go in there. Davis out. I think Davis and Jagielka are there. Curtis it's happy Buchanan, even, but yeah. If Buchanan was there, Curtis Hayes was on the way back. So maybe that's why Byrne was sucked in a bit but he was sucked far too in he didn't need to get it wasn't no. they weren't getting overloaded there yeah, and Burns started chasing the ball like a playground game or something. yeah and Burns should know better like, I'm not excusing we'll come on to Calarose in a second not excusing that and we'll come on to Burns um, you know multitude of fouls which led to his his red card in the second so Nathan Burns had a really poor game so I'd look there first but yeah live at the time I said to Tom I said I, I think I don't think Calarose could have done better there you weren't sure live and then when I watched it back uh, on highlights that night I agree with you Tom I think it's the middle it, of the goal. It also, Scott Malone was quite a lot closer in than I realised he was at the time. He was almost inside the penalty box, wasn't he? He was right on the edge of the penalty box. Yeah, I think he's like 19 or 20 yards out and he's hit it and he's he's hit it hard and low, but it's not in the corner. And you think a goalkeeper of a championship standard who's six foot or something shouldn't have a problem and maybe that's the problem. He's six foot something and therefore he can't get down close enough to himself. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't underneath him. It was, it was actually a nice distance. He wasn't stretching, yeah. but it wasn't right below his feet. It was actually quite a nice distance. My, my thought, he doesn't get his feet set and then he doesn't get his feet set so he's off balance when he then goes to dive and he dives a split second too and this late. isn't this is scott malone so with respect to him like he's, he's never gonna lash it in at the near post is he like i just feel like Roos has to anticipate it a bit more know that 
is going to play the percentages and hit it across him and get there get there quicker get further down get there get there faster but it is what happened um <laughs> and yeah we, we obviously gave scott malone dogs abuse and he gave it back when he scored of course yeah. he did um I, I mean i know you you hate him with a passion tom but i've, I've always thought that he, he offered something going forward but and he, he's not a bad player if it doesn't have any defending to do i don't think number do I, number 11 do i really have to answer that question <laughs> Like, come like a contempt in your eyes at the moment. Like he's just <laughs> so okay. He scored a good goal. I'll, I'll give him the credit for the good goal, and he he gets the gets on the ball for Millwall. But the amount of times a long cross went over the top, and the amount of times that he like tried to play a pass inside to Jed Wallace, and you see Jed Wallace like turn and look at him with the look that I've currently got on my face. He's not a very good footballer. I don't care. Um, I'm pleased that he's not at the club. Good hair though. He looks like an idiot. So right, we're done. We move on now. <laughs> on the other hand, though. A, uh, I probably have to say that the low point of the whole day was our failure to get our uh, Fessy Ebersalis on going in the away end. Yeah, that is. I mean, it was a bit disjointed in the away end because she sometimes had the right hand side singing and the left hand side, and then it all sort of merged merged together. Yeah. Um, my my theory on this is if we we're going to get that song or any song that we'd like to get going in the away end, we need to be sat. We need to be sat fifteen rows higher up. So that's, that's a, it's a very logistical, practical theory. I think the song's solid. I just think you boys need to get your hands dirty, get stuck up, all right, boy? Or one of us needs to um, record ourselves singing it and go viral. Shotgun, not me. <laughs> I get the impression that the boys that start most of the Derby County charts aren't that prominent on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a theory. Good goal, though. Took it well. And I think I was, uh, I was giving Tom Lawrence a fair few pelters I was just quite angry with his contribution in the last 10 minutes but he um, I think in the cold light of day he played a bit better than I actually thought he did and I didn't realise at the time he did really well for the goal oh well. really well you couldn't I didn't really because the way that the goal happened we obviously balled up put the pressure on won it I've seen I think I do remember the back kill happening and then I, for me I just thought Lawrence got it and gave it I didn't realise he kind of did the dummy sent two players the wrong way and then put it on the plate like it was an absolute brilliant assist from Lawrence, which I definitely couldn't appreciate from what two hundred yards back with five pints in me at the time. So no, I thought Lawrence was, did great for that. Did great for that. And looking back on the highlights, a lot of our best attacking moments in the first half did come through Tom Lawrence. But yeah, great to see Eversale get his goal. I thought he deserved it overall. It's, uh, he does definitely frustrate as a young player will do playing in a position which isn't his position. I, you know. From what I understand, he's come for the academy playing right back. He's now playing right of a front three. And you can see why, because he's absolutely electric. But the amount of times where we were all shouting it, weren't we? We were stood there behind the goal. The amount of times in the first half particularly where we had the ball, we were switching the ball. Eversadio was dropping deep to collect it, but not offering anything in behind. And it was a huge gap. And if he just put his head down and went, he would have been in behind the fullback. And he can beat the fullback on the dribble, but he'll create more space for others and threaten him behind if he just makes that run more often and mixes it up. Yeah, totally agree. Just cut, cutting in cutting in from the touchline, uh, receiving the ball, offloading it, turning and going, that wasn't what he was doing. And clearly they'll be working on that in training. It's a sort of technical thing. Um, but a lot of the time he was hugging the touchline, waiting for the ball to feet and then knocking it past. And eventually, I think it was Murray Wallace at left back for, for Millwall. He sort of didn't have the better of him, but got to grips with him enough Um Emerson's rapid, so he's, that one run so, in the second half when he ran it from his own half yeah. all the way into the penalty area, and I think did he get the shot off at the end or did he get a shot blocked? I think he won a, he won a corner. He won a I corner, think. but he was just like you were kind of we were watching because he's running towards us. We were sucking him in, and uh, 
and um and he was just you know begging for him to hit the target and for it to go in but i think if he keeps playing this season some point he's going to score a goal when he runs it from his own half surely it's only a matter of time it's just it's just really exciting and that's what you want to see from a young Derby player like great the, league one really <laughs> well he'll, he'll, still got he'll really get you off your feet you know like really get excited there's, there's a palpable different atmosphere when he gets on the ball with the defender on the back foot and space to run into isn't there like we don't really have any other players who who generate that sort of excitement in, in fans I don't think this team is generally missing pace isn't it Louis Sibley's not rapid Juzak is quick over 5-10 yards but as we've seen, hasn't really got the quality to deliver um, or the confidence to really put his foot down. Let's just hope Eversaley kind of retains that youthful exuberance where he does keep putting his head down and going and, and do it more and more because we are desperately crying out for pace. So if you kept that pace in the team and added a bit of quality in, in the in the 18-yard box, it could be an effective attack. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I do I do think um, this the way that Derby have the players for with Buchanan and Eversaley they're set out for five-three-two. We just don't have yeah. we don't have three centre backs. I mean, bless Richard Stearman, but he's clearly brought in and he's played two games or something like that. Um, he's kept out of the team by a thirty-nine-year-old Phil Jagielka, who I think is doing a sterling job, but is found out against some of the better players. I thought Wallace and Afobi both targeted Jagielka uh, rather than Curtis. Does Christian Bielik change the game? Could he be a, could he be the third centre back? Yeah, no, that potentially could happen, couldn't it? Um, in the you're gonna love this seamless link in the Igor Stimak role. Uh, as a as a sweeper behind the centre backs, but that does um, I think that does limit a lot of the quality that Bielik can bring to the team. But he has played centre back before. Did he play there for Charlton in yeah. League One? And he has played there for us. I mean, if you're going to play Bielik as a centre back, it has to be in a back three or five because he can then step out. Yeah. Um, and he can play that kind of sweeper role that Stimash does did. So uh, yeah, I think that could be an option, particularly when you've got Bird Knight. Shinny and Morrison already vying for those midfield positions. Maybe, as you say, I mean, obviously you'd be dropping Nathan Byrne, but on recent form, probably fair enough. But Ebersale and Buchanan could be, and even put Fozzie in that mix. No, he didn't have a great game at all on, on Wednesday, but, you know, Fozzie and Buchanan could both be in that fullback role, and Nathan Byrne and Ebersale could both be in that right back, in right wing back role. Yeah, well, you saw Eberselli got um, came off after about eighty minutes or so, and he had clearly had cramp, and he'd run out of gas because he'd done so much running um, in the game. So, and also, I think maybe Byrne could could play in that right centre back position. Um, it leaves you maybe a little bit slow at the back, but then again, if you've got Bielik in there, he's not renowned for his pace over ten yards. So, um, I think I think for me, Derby at full strength, it looks to me like a five three two would work, but. That would also require us to have two properly functioning centre forwards, which we haven't got. So yeah, that's the problem. So, yeah, um, it'd be maybe nice to see Jack Stretton back in after the international break. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I uh, I mentioned a former Derby great there, and that does bring me on to our current Patreon podcast for November. Uh, Patreon forward Patreon dot com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing, where you can get all our bonus episodes and uh, sign up offers and uh, membership behind the scenes content from us as well and november offering is a sit down chat with igor himself igor stimak my derby county is the name of the episode um yeah for for those too young to to to, to be that aware of igor stimak even it's still definitely worth a listen because an undisputed um DCFC Hall of Famer, as it were, Kutch. He, uh, well, he completely transformed the modern uh, fortunes of our club when he arrived in 1995. 
um, took the club on their 20-game unbeaten run, got us promoted, and is now in Derby County's all-time 11, and even has a lounge named after himself. But yeah, we had a great chat with him. Uh, It was uh, Ryan Hills, the author of Pride, who uh, we collaborated with on this one, who had a chat with Igor on our behalf. Uh, So do make sure, if you haven't already, or I think everybody has, but do make sure you get yourself a copy of Pride, Ryan's book. And uh, here is Igor having a chat about the moment when he signed for Derby and when he was asked by the media what his hopes were for the 1995-96 season. The second question was, you know, that we are trying to go back for seven years, you know, losing in the playoffs and not having luck. And this season we started really poor. We are at the seventh position. Mm-hmm. What do you expect from this season? And that's that's the, the, the second when I said we're going up this season. And I remember that somebody took the photo of me in this uh, saying we're going up this year and days later they started selling these shirts with my photo and my thumb up you know Igor says we're going up it's it's nice to remember it's nice to remember these things and then everything which followed that what I said without thinking too much you know is it possible or not but Looked impossible, looked impossible at that time, but nothing is impossible in football or in life. If you if you wish so hard to do something, to achieve something, if you work hard, everything is possible. So Igor's on the pod, Tom. How well how we could do with something like someone like him at the moment? I'd take uh, Igor and Dostanovic, if that's okay. Perfectly. <laughs> and for that, I'll trade you one Kamil Yoshviak. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Sold to that man there. No, it's a great chat. Really good to have him on. I think I've managed to basically speak to all my childhood heroes now, which is the main reason I started this podcast. So, yeah, do check that one out on our Patreon. And uh, why well, there, you can give us a follow on social as well. We are at Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter. On uh, Facebook and Instagram as well at Steve Bloomers Washing. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomers Washing. So I look at some of the goals we're conceding at the moment, right? Millwall and Burns' contribution, the absolute Western that Fozzie had against Barnsley, and uh, some of Buchanan's contributions as well. I do just wonder, like, because. We used to be so solid defensively, had the best record in the league until about three weeks or so ago. But it's all just gone a bit wrong recently, hasn't it? And I do just feel like the fullbacks, I don't know, are they the weak link in the team at the moment? Like there's, as I said, there was Byrne against Millwall, got himself sent off. Like Fozzie was massively culpable for one, if not two goals that we conceded. Buchanan had a bit of a stinker when he came on 4-4-5 against Barnsley, got himself booked, gave away a free kick, they scored from that free kick. And, you know, there have been a fair amount of mistakes earlier in the season. Like, what's what, what's what's going on? Is that part of it, do you think? I think, look, this season, a lot of stuff goes against us this season. And I think you've got to give great credit to all the players for, up until the last couple of weeks, being extremely disciplined and being extremely, you know, having the concentration to keep several uh, very, very impressive clean sheets and to stay away from um, 
and to stay away from conceding silly goals. And I think uh, I think it's just caught up with us. I think someone, I think it was Ryan Amira that tweeted, um, I, I think just after the Barnsley game, that this at some point was always going to happen. And I kind of feel the same way that the players, yeah, it's a skeleton squad, particularly at the back. I think, you know, it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday. I think it, I think it has caught up with us. And I think that we can't be that surprised that standards have slipped, particularly defensively. We've never been obviously uh, creating lots and lots of chances going forward. We've been very much reliant on keeping clean sheets and it wasn't going to be possible to keep doing it. Curtis Davis and Phil Jagielka are obviously excellent season pros, but they're in their late 30s and it's it's the oldest defence in the championship and it was going to creak at some point. So I, I just don't think we should be that surprised that it started to happen. And I always felt we needed to start scoring goals if we we're going to have a chance to pick up more points. Go even further than that, uh, Kutch. It's actually the oldest team in the championship yeah. at the moment. I think the average age of the first eleven on Saturday against Mill was twenty-eight, which is uh, which is incredible. And it's the youngest I think that was in the championship was Barnsley, which was only twenty-three. So Derby have Derby have got an old team despite all these youngsters like Knight and Ebersale who are in there and Buchanan, um, and they are they are, they do get found out. And you're right in terms of eventually runs come to an end. And I recall Derby. I think they went ten games with the clean sheets back under McLaren perhaps and it was like oh we're never ever going to concede a goal ever again and then the next thing you know we're conceding three goals four goals against uh, different teams and you don't do that deliberately and sometimes you get a bit of luck and sometimes you keep clean sheets and if you look at the XG tables and I know some people are big fans of that uh, especially my brother he likes a, loves a statistic Derby are down towards the bottom of that and we have actually got away with quite a few things with teams missing chances uh, against us and if you look at some of our wins and stuff Reading, for example, they had good chances to, and on another day they could have been. Well, they could arguably have had a point that day. So um, I think yeah. on, on the fullbacks point, I do wonder, and I'm not a particularly tactically astute person, but I do wonder because you've got a very aged centre half pairing who aren't the most mobile. Are is it possible? Are is the system probably asking a lot more of the fullbacks because they've got to cover more ground because. Curtis Davis, to be fair to him, does actually come out of centre-back quite a bit and does cover at full-back. And he, I'm not, I'm not putting, pointing the fingers in their direction, but because you've got two maybe more immobile centre-backs, and I'm sure Curtis wouldn't like us describing him that way, compared to the rest in the league, I wonder if full-backs just got to do a little bit more and that's possibly exposing them. Buchanan, I think, is a fantastic talent. I think he'll be at least a very, very good championship fullback, if not potentially a Premier League fullback in, in long term future. Um, I think Nathan Burns is a solid uh, championship fullback, but maybe he's a mid table championship fullback. Um, Eversale obviously is even more raw than Buchanan. And Craig Forsyth, he has his moments, but increasingly he has his bad moments. And they, they will show up over the course of the season. Yeah, I could see what you're saying there, Kutch, and that does kind of make sense. But then I would say, if that's the case, what would happen is the fact that we concede goals from crosses quite a lot. And I don't think we do tend to concede goals from crosses as much um, as we have done in sort of previous years. And under Rowett, we talked about how good Derby were at just defending the box and allowing the cross to come in because we tuck the fullbacks in. Um, and we're maybe not doing that. And we did c- concede chances against Millwall from the, from across. But it seems that a lot of them are from through balls, uh, like Malone's and like the, the second goal against Barnsley in particular. Like, So I'm not really sure what's happening with the defensive system and why those mistakes are happening. But your your suggestion is, I think, a pretty solid one. We uh, we, we just talked about Abisaley there, or as the uh, Sky commentator refers to him as, Festi Ebozale. 
That's a new one. Um, that doesn't work in a song, does it? That's rubbish. <laughs> Sounds like a nice wine. <laughs> Beaujolais. <laughs> Lovely glass of Beaujolais. Um, I can't not say Beaujolais now. It's stuck in my head. But we, yeah, we talked to man in the first half and, and where maybe his most his most useful position could be in the team because he has played little stints at right back and maybe got caught out positionally once or twice but then he's not the only one is he like Byrne has has been just as culpable in 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 recent weeks and you probably have to say Tom you you look at young players sometimes and how they start out as fullbacks and then when it becomes clear they're really good going forwards they get shifted further up the park I'm thinking of Gareth Bale for some reason, but um, he's probably a bad example. But do, do you feel maybe that um, that, that Ebersaley is most is going to have or do the most damage and and help Derby County the most as part of that front three as he was at Millwall? Um, I think in this current Derby team, uh, the answer to that is yes. But actually, if it was a Derby team which was as strong as it could be, and we weren't under the current difficulties uh, I would like to see him challenging Byrne uh, for the right back position because mm. I think he'd be an absolute live wire attacking from deep um, overlapping and getting into the box rather than having to pick the ball up and do it himself someone who's further forward than him receiving the ball episodely like pounding down the wing on the outside being slipped in that way I've just um, remembered we had this exact same conversation about Jaden Bogle didn't we and yeah we, of and we decided yeah. that he was what I suggested, maybe stick him as a right winger, and I yeah. got, got I got rightfully shot down, and yes. it turns out he was a better right back. Although he did end up playing a bit of right wing back for Sheffield United, didn't he? So. How's that going? Uh, yeah, All right, that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's a fair point, but that's just what we just that's what we suggested a minute ago with uh, with the fullbacks that we've currently got. I do. I'm I'm quite excited to see. We have got a little bit of cover at right back in the sense that we can put Abisele there. And then we have got the players who will play in that behind the front man position. Josviak could come on, uh, Sibley could come in as well. Like There are there are options at least um, there. It's not like we, we'd be desperately struggling um, if it had been, say, Curtis Davis being sent off and we're having a centre-back partnership of Jagielka um, and Stearman. I'd be extremely fearful for Bournemouth. But as it is, I don't see us being defensively too weakened by the fact that Byrne is... It has, it's suspended for that game um, and I think Ebersoli would do a, a perfectly good job at right back there is an obsession in English football to if you you suddenly have a defender whether it's a centre back moving into defence midfield or a full back moving into right wing left wing that as soon as they're really good going forward or really good in the ball we say oh they must play further forward no keep them at the back and have good ball players and good attackers from the back like look at modern day full backs modern day full backs are wingers anyway Fessy Abasele, who's going to be a top, top player, will be a right back who is attacking and plays in the modern right back way. Like Trent Alexander was a bit of a unique case, but like him or, or Reese James or Carl Walker or Danny Alves was probably on the first uh, kind of first real great examples from right back. Roberto Carlos on the left back. Like you, I think his, his long term position will absolutely be right back. I think you're right though, Tom and, and Chris, in this current team, I think he's a great option further forward needs must but you know most most good fullbacks learn the defensive trade later and they to begin with are just very very effective attacking tools yeah one thing i would say is that if derby overuse ebersaley at right wing back uh, or right wing and the thing he's got is pace good teams will find him out very quickly if he's the only threat particularly yeah and he hasn't he hasn't got the movement i don't think the natural instinctive movement of an attacking player to get in behind and to to use his pace more effectively uh it is just raw burning pace and i think that's where you'll see him become less effective a bit like against coventry 
Whereas when you're playing fullback, you have the space in front of you. It's much harder for teams to pick you up, which is why people like Pep Guardiola and other coaches have realised you actually want some of your best players playing in those fullback areas because they have to. They, the most space on the pitch is in the fullback area to exploit. I, I yeah, I, I see what you mean about the clamour in English football. I mean, I'd probably say there's. Uh, I feel like it can make more sense to move f- uh, good attacking fullbacks further up than than good than good ball playing centre backs. I feel like ball playing centre backs a lot more of them just tend to stay as ball-playing centre-backs. Yeah, right? I remember the clamour for, well, Gareth Southgate. John, John Gareth Stones Southgate playing well. defence midfield for England was bizarre against Germany in the in the last game at Wembley. And I remember the clamour for Rio Ferdinand. I mean, that, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, but... <laughs> I remember, yeah, but this is what I'm saying. Like, this this has continued. Like, John Stones, people talked about him playing defence midfield. I think David Moyes played in there or someone, Everton manager, played defence midfield for a bit. And people used to think Rio Ferdinand should be a defence midfielder. One of the best centre-backs things ever produced. Yeah. I totally agree and like centre back position has changed the full back position has changed as well like you mentioned all those players you could add Cafu onto that list of the great Brazilian full backs in the 90s um, I think they were real trail, trailblazers and now that's a fairly standard thing you look at Alexander Arnold uh, against West Ham on uh, on Sunday and he was at times playing centre midfield because he's that diverse and he's almost an inverted wing back well, yeah, don't get me started on people saying he should play centre midfield full time I think that's ridiculous as well yeah <laughs> it's a nice option to be able to have if you're short in that position no. but he's a right back isn't he he's and that's a, what he is. right and that's what um, that's what Ebersale is for me and I, I would like to see him hopefully we get taken over before January because I'm sure there'll be people interested in him and I'm sure there'll be great teams and with great coaches who can make him into something special and I hope he does that at Derby you're right he, he has got pace to burn but yeah very good at running in a straight line pace at the moment let's keep it positive yeah um, yeah I've God I've forgotten that Nathan Byrne is uh, suspended for <laughs> Derby's next game, Bournemouth at home. Um, I think, I haven't checked the stats, but I'm pretty sure they've scored about 400 goals between them so far this season. Um, Bournemouth has been talked about as breaking Reading's points record. Fulham um, have scored somewhere in the 40s and Mitrovic has scored seven more goals than we've managed in our entire team. Can we get anything? The only positive I've got is, look, Bournemouth are top. Fulham a second. But beyond them, we have taken points off West Brom, off, four, off third place West Brom. We've taken points off fourth place Coventry. We've beaten fifth place Stoke. But I know that those two teams at the top, they are already looking sort of streets ahead of the rest, aren't they? Well, they are. Um, we have got two weeks to prepare uh, for four of these games. And you'd imagine it might be a similar setup for both both those matches. You know, this team under Rooney and uh, under Cocker as well. Uh, particularly actually against Bournemouth they have put in shifts where they've put in a real you know a 5-4-1 kind of rear guard action and it and it's kind of paid off of a point or so so I think if we're going to get anything from the Bournemouth game at home or the Fulham game away and I'm very sad I won't be able to join you at Craven Cottage um, is uh, yeah it's going to have to be kind of win ugly which you know is that's the position we're in and in the likes of Phil Jagielka Curtis Davis you know even maybe Richard Stearman comes in as well if you're going to go back to a proper back three or back five we've got the players that can do that ironically as much as we criticise Nathan Byrne for his, his last performance yeah if you're going to play kind of a, a backs against the wall four at the back five at the back then actually you definitely would want Nathan Byrne rather than Ebersele because he, he knows his defensive duties really inside out I know he had a, he obviously had a, a lapse of concentration against Millwall but um, yeah, he will be a miss. You think maybe Forsyth will come in as well, particularly for the first of those two games, one against Bournemouth. If we get a point from those two matches, I'd probably be happy. 
I mean, Tom, Tom we did. They beat Norwich away last season. Did get a draw at Brentford away last season. The championship does throw up the odd result, but it's going to be one hell of a coupon buster if we get any sort of result in those two games, isn't it? My answer for this, uh, when you sent around the um, the sort of running order for today, on paper, no. But football is a very funny game, isn't it? So <laughs> who knows? Um, here's a bit of here's a bit of trivia for you. Uh, Curtis Davis is the fifty second top goal scorer in the championship. Any guesses for how many Bournemouth and Fulham players are above him? What in total? In total, um, fourteen, twelve. Uh, it's not quite as high as that. There, <laughs> there are seven Bournemouth and Fulham players who are ahead of Curtis Davis uh, in the top goal scorer record. And uh, Mitrovic has scored twenty this season. And Dominic Solanke scored thirteen. And Derby County has scored thirteen. So uh, I think it should be three 0 Derby. <laughs> <laughs> Glass well and truly half full for you then. Well, yeah. As I said, we've got two weeks to prepare, and we'll see what happens. But one thing that one of us can win is. The following quiz. Well, absolutely, Chris. Derby gained a creditable snore in the capital on Saturday, so what better way to finish our ramblings with a capital special of win, lose, or snore? You know that all by now, but... Can I'll... I pull you up on your pronunciation there? It sounds like you're saying snore, as in, like, it's really boring, whereas <laughs> you've you got to get the schnur, because he, he was very, very German. I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm having great difficulty speaking, Chris, because I've got a banging cold, so uh, the fact that I'm saying enough. anything is, uh, is, is a luxury for us all. I'm going to give Kutch and Chris five fixtures, and they have to recall whether Derby won, lost, or snored. Is that better? Yeah, perfect. Lovely. This is going to be a test of Kutch's memory. Uh, fixture number one... West Ham versus Derby County on the 19th of April 2008. And the next one, Fulham versus Derby County. Uh, it's coming up very soon, but this one's the 20th of October 2007. The 19th of October 2019, and we're at the Valley for Charlton Athletic away. It's the 19th of October 2019. I think I might smash this. Next one, away at QPR, Wednesday the 14th of December 2016. Ooh, that was some battles. Mm, that's a tough one and then the final one the 20th of February 2016 away at Griffin Park Brentford oh 2016 is the common denominator here we went to all of them uh, I think okay. at least two of us were at every single one of those been to a lot of Brentford games you're, you're stalling here coach come on yeah. <laughs> I think I've got three out of five certain okay Chris is pretty confident I think right we'll start with you Chris um, West Ham versus Derby County 19th of April 2008 Win, lose, or snore? Snore. No, so, no, sorry, no. Lose. Lose. Tyra Mears. Tyra Mears, goal of the month uh, candidate. Didn't win, obviously. This is the first time the Steve Bloomers washing boys were together at a football game. It was. It was. What a great, great day that was. And uh, unfortunately, Derby lost, but we had a great time. Were we winning? <laughs> Tyra Mears put us one lap, was it equalised? I think he did, yeah. 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 Was, we were certainly in the game for a long time, and West Ham got booed off even though they beat us, which was bit weird and also a bit embarrassing for us I guess um, the next one then Fulham versus Derby County on the 20th of October 2007 Kutch um, I don't remember this game so it must be one of the few away games I didn't go to that season so I'm going to say lose oh, no. <laughs> I didn't see us get any points so we must have got a point in that game <laughs> yeah exactly this actually was a nil-nil draw Kenny Miller should have scored in the last minute and um and it was the last time Derby County were off the bottom of the Premier League uh, that's 2-1 to Chris then um Number three, 19th of October, 2019, Charlton away, Chris. Lose. 
Lose. Lose. Conor Gallagher inspired Charlton to an epic 3-0 victory for them and therefore a defeat for the Rams. So that's 3-2 to Chris. As I, as to I said play. to you, because we talked about this at the weekend, the game where I realised that Matt Clark is very slow. Yes, and that was kind of why it motivated me to put it in there because I thought you might have been a bit too pissed to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Alas. Um, next one then, over to you, Kutch. Uh, Wednesday the 14th of December 2016, away at QPR. Yeah, I wasn't at this one because I've, I've only recently got to Loftus Road for the first time. I'm going to say Schnorr. Is it Jack Marriott? No. Uh, it was Wynn. 1-0 Tom Ince. I, I was definitely there with you, but it's one of the games I don't really remember because I think it must have been god-awful. It, um, wasn't, it wasn't great. 86th minute winner for it was, uh It was the middle of um, like McLaren's winning run on, on, on Mac 2. Hmm. Is that 4-2 to Chris then? Yeah, it's 4-2 to Chris. Uh, we'll do the last one just for posterity. Uh, 20th of February 2016, away to Brentford. Chris? Uh, win. Yeah, I put win. I seem to remember Chris Martin scoring. Chris Martin did score. We were 1-0 down with 10 to go. Scored three times in the last 10 minutes. And uh, yeah, that was when Dazwise gave it the big one in front of the away end afterwards, didn't he? he yeah. Gave it- gave it all get one full Billy Davis it was like it went crazy didn't it <laughs> I did have one one last one which uh, I thought stop, gonna... stop chucking in the extra no, ones it was I'm like just... a pain in the arse last week <laughs> one extra one it was the 23rd of March 2010 QPR away Chris do you remember that game by any chance yeah I think it's the one we talk about about once a month because it's the one all draw is it with uh, Sean Parker. Parker yeah didn't you get stuck on a train at rugby yeah yeah didn't make the had game. a ticket <laughs> went out from Birmingham train got stuck got sent back to Birmingham yeah. missed it I missed Sean Barker's career highlight. It haunts me to this day. <laughs> it was a great finish. It was a great finish. It was. Well, great. speaking of great finishes, uh, that's it for us for now. We're going to wrap it up there. Um, well, anything to add about about the early stages of the Derby County relegation tour? No. Uh, still got a few. Yeah, still got a few highlights to come. I think. I think. Look, look, Derby. If the team keeps putting in those performances, we'll keep the fans will keep supporting them and uh, make the most of it. I think um, the fans have been great so far this season. As we said a couple of weeks ago, it feels kind of similar to, in some ways to kind of the bat against the wall, jovial attitude that we used to have during the the Premier League season. So maybe it'll be more of that in the second half of the year, or maybe we'll get a new owner and maybe we will give ourselves half a chance. Let's see. Indeed. Just one last thing on uh, Saturday. Uh, there was a, there's some discrimination towards a Derby player. It's not come out officially yet uh, from what I saw, but it's I understand from social media it might have been against Co- Colin Cousin Richards. Uh, some Millwall fans have said something or done something towards them, which is obviously a shame to see, but hopefully it gets dealt with and the club um, the club deal with him for a lifetime, lifetime ban, whoever it might be. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope so. Um, well, Tom, in the meantime, thanks for joining us. All the best. Coach. If you want to see the rainbow, you've got to put up with the rain. Do you know who said that? Dolly Parson. Me, just now. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) 